Thanks for listening today to In 16 Years. I'm Amy, and this is a podcast where I talk about what I've learned in 16 years of living with stage 4 endo, severe IBS, fibromyalgia, and interstitial cystitis. My name is Brittany, and I live with celiac disease, anxiety, and my own hormonal fun. We hope this show will inspire you, empower you, and help you feel supported on your own health journey. Brittany and I are not doctors, dietitians, mental health professionals, experts on endometriosis, or any kind of qualified medical professional. So that means that none of the information we share on this podcast is medical or mental health advice. If you get inspired by something we say, always consult your qualified medical professional first before making any changes. Hey everyone, I'm here before the episode starts to bring you learning moments with Amy. Now that I've been podcasting and advocating for a few years, my understanding of endometriosis, as well as the issues that our community faces, well, they've really evolved and progressed over the years. So I've been going through our earliest episodes because I want to make sure that these earliest published episodes have accurate information in them. For this episode, I just want to add that we have four really great episodes coming up on endometriosis and disability accommodations for work. We didn't really talk about this in this episode, but recently I asked my HR department for official disability accommodations under the ADA, which is the Americans with Disabilities Act. So then we went ahead and we made some episodes around the helpful information that I came across. So we've already recorded them. As I'm speaking now, they have not aired yet, but they are airing very, very soon. So they will probably air around episodes like 115, 120. Once they air, I will go ahead and put the links to them in the show notes. The last thing that I wanted to mention is that I noticed in our earliest episodes, we sometimes make jokes about endometriosis and the uterus. But endometriosis is not a disease of the uterus. I have always had my worst endometriosis symptoms during my period, so I think that's why in the past I associated my pain with my period and therefore with my uterus. But in actuality, my pain is from my endometriosis. It's not from my uterus, especially because I don't have adenomyosis, which is a disease of the uterus. As I've learned more about the complex issues around endometriosis in terms of the myths and the treatments based on these myths, Brittany and I have really tried to get away from making jokes involving the uterus because endometriosis is not about the uterus. You can have endometriosis without having a uterus, and removal of the uterus via a hysterectomy does not cure endometriosis. All right, thanks for joining Learning Moments with Amy, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Today we're going to talk about endometriosis. Surprise, surprise. Big shock. (laughs) And work, or having a career, or holding a job. Because it's hard. It's hard to have endometriosis, to hold a job, to have a career as a person with a chronic illness, a painful illness, an illness that for some of us actually causes debilitating pain and we cannot physically get into work and work during part of the month. 
trying to maintain a job that's regularly scheduled, whether it be nine to five or three days, five days, six days a week, is really hard because endometriosis isn't regularly scheduled and nothing about it is regular and nothing about it is routine. Um, no, Brittany, my endo is very regular. <laughs> Comes like clockwork, every, right? <laughs> it's very routine. The routine is every day I wake up in pain. Mm-hmm. Every day I wake up exhausted. Mm-hmm. So that's your full-time job, right? <laughs> and that's my routine. Like, yeah. it's like clockwork. I mean, I'm I'm not surprised anymore. So, yeah, I mean, for me, it's very thorough. Oh, yeah, I'm yes. sure. <laughs> how many different Relatable, ways, right? How many different ways can we torture Amy with a bunch of symptoms? You'll never have an answer to that. It's infinite. The answer is infinite. If endometriosis was a job, it would be Vlad the Impaler. Oh, what a career choice. <laughs> Alarming. And he would be working 24-7 to impale every uterus it can find. I mean, you'd yeah. Cross, you'd cross paths. So they'd be like, do you have a uterus? And you'd be like, unknowing and innocent. You'd be like, why, yes, sir. Impaled. I do. Impaled. And also, your teeth are very sharp. And that impaling stick in your I'm scared. Well, soon you'll know. You're only... Five. In a couple of years, get back to me. <laughs> Come back to me when you're 12 and puberty started. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have a lot to talk about then. Nine to 12, we'll chat. <laughs> so before we jump into the tips and the situations we want to share and ideas and scenarios and philosophies Ooh. and legends. Oh, enticing. And torture. Oh, no, no. Okay, that, Vlad. That was in. Vlad talking. In. Okay. Get it together, Vlad. Go home. Go home. You were invited on this podcast. You don't belong here. There's only two mics. You need to leave. Special guest appearance. <laughs> Featuring Vlad the Impaler. Well, Brittany and I have had a couple jobs in our working experience, and so the things that we put together to talk about today are things that have happened to us over our working experience. But I just want you to keep in mind that currently we both work in an office in a salaried position, not a very high salary, just throwing that out there. <laughs> Makes it sound so fancy, a salaried well, position. That's what it's called, right? It's <laughs> yes. like we, we both get a we're salary. We're not per hour, so it's salary. Right, yeah. we're not paid per hour, although we should be. Because we make a heck of a lot Because <laughs> overtime when your salary doesn't ma- count means nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Those 80-hour work weeks, meh. <laughs> so we just want you to keep in mind that and then also that I mean, at least here in the U.S., the majority of jobs are at-will employment, which is so scary, which means that you can be dismissed at any time for any reason. And so I've always kept that in mind when trying to navigate the waters of endometriosis and the workplace, because it's important not to give them the impression that you are not capable or that you cannot work Like, I try to be really careful with what I say and what I do in the workplace when it comes to my illness and when it comes to my performance abilities. And so I just, again, listening to this episode, want all of you to keep that in mind. I just really want everyone to think carefully in their own situation that they're in and evaluate any consequences that could be had because something that works for Brittany and I may not work for you or something that works for you may not work for us. So definitely, I would say it's very tricky to navigate the workplace waters of endometriosis and should be done with with caution. At least that's the feeling I I have. Life feels so risky. I feel like I'm at risk all the time. It should be called at-risk employment and not (laughs) at-will employment. Life should just be called risk instead of life. (laughs) 
How was your risk? Oh, it, it went fine. There was a lot of risk involved. <laughs> How long was your risk? Uh, oh, about 85 years. Yeah, but, you know, at the end, the risk level went really high, so <laughs> I had to terminate the risk. <laughs> nonstop risk. Nonstop. <laughs> Instead of stress, we call it risk. I mean, that's what it is. I like that. We should have a, a language cultural shift, okay? I think one of the first things that's difficult to deal with when it comes to working a job is the schedule. That's kind of the first hurdle because if you miss too many days or you're late or you have to leave early, you can be let go from your job. I mean, I know it might be surprising, but work actually like expects you to be there during your shift. So do they now? I, I know that's like kind of surprising, but <laughs> huh. but that's kind of like what you sign up for when you, you know, accept an offer for a job. So they they expect that you're going to be there and, you know, kind of like do your work. And they're so demanding. Yeah, I know. They're like, be there at Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, you're like, hey, you don't control my schedule. You don't pay me for the, oh, wait. You can't tell me what to do. <laughs> no, oh, they can. Yeah. Hold on. That's pretty normal. So <laughs> that's why it's kind of, it's tricky when you have to navigate the schedule. 9 to 5 are my peak pain hours. <laughs> <laughs> I thought everything was peak pain hours. <laughs> my peak they're pain also, hour is 3.27 a.m. <laughs> they're also peak nausea hours. Yeah, that's true. Their peak, I want to pass out before I eat breakfast hours. Oh, their peak eating and pooping diarrhea hours. And fatigue Ooh, hours. And Ooh. I see interstitial cystitis oh, yeah. hours because you have to drink all that and they have to pee. Uh-huh. How come I can't just work in the evening? And the fatigue hours? Um, I'm not tired at night. Thanks, insomnia. But I'm sure as heck tired during the day. <laughs> Rude. So did you know, Brittany, that this job that we're at now together that I started three years ago is my very first nine to five job. Oh, look at you go. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so previously, I worked in consulting. I, well, sort of. I was an English teacher, but basically I, I lived in Barcelona. And I gave lessons and I worked about 20 hours a week. And it was great because I would go to their house. And if I wanted to cancel the lesson because I was sick, I could just cancel or reschedule it or just text them and be like, hey, can we change it from 2 to 4 p.m. today? And they usually were very flexible. A lot of them were students, and they would write back, sure, no problem. So it was great because I wasn't really, like, on this schedule. Held to a schedule, yeah. Yeah, dictated by society who thinks that 9 to 5 is the peak prime hours for you to do your job. I, they're wrong, but anyway. <laughs> I think I remember reading in a book that the 9 to 5 schedule came about in the in Britain during the Industrial Revolution because they needed the factory workers to all be there because, for example, if me and Brittany and... It's an assembly line, so... And Vlad the Impaler and the Red Dragon and Mushu, let's say all five <laughs> of us were on the assembly line together. I would rip out my uterus. I would hand it to Brittany. Brittany would hand it to Vlad the Impaler. Vlad the Impaler would stab it. Impale it. it yeah. Then he would pass it on to Red Dragon. Oh, Red Dragon fire would on it. singe it. Mm -hmm. Then he'd pass it on to Mushu. Who would dance around in it laughing <laughs> maniacally. <laughs> <laughs> and then they would return it back to me. It was a, yeah. it was a, a factory. A cyclical factory. Yeah, it was a cyclical. Okay. <laughs> but the point is that when they were in the factory, they actually... They needed all the workers to be there at the same time because one worker depended on the other worker because it was a system, like a chain. And that is also around the time, like in the mid-1800s, when they standardize time because all the different villages had like a big clock in the center. So they had a different time, five minutes off, 10 minutes off. 
But then they began having a train system so that all the workers could get in. And so the trains all had to run on standard time. And so they standardized the time. And I read that all. So we can blame London for creating 9 to 5 jobs. I thought I loved you, London. You let me down. (laughs) Well, it's not the Industrial Revolution anymore. We should reevaluate 9 to 5 jobs. Okay. By the way, read the book Sapiens, Mm, which that's where I learned all of that. And it's super interesting. But anyways, yes, it is no longer the 1800s. And I personally feel that if we're not required to be there for like, okay, so after I did teaching in Barcelona, then I moved to Japan and I actually worked in the school system in high school and college teaching English in Japan. And of course, I understand at that time there is a schedule because you go into the classroom, you are during the school day, you have all the students show up, like you can't just do it when you want. But a lot of us work in these jobs where we're doing office work or IT work or web design or like we're doing work where do we really have to be there from nine to five society says so but reality says no (laughs) (laughs) as long as you get your work done by the deadline it doesn't matter (laughs) i feel like it's fine but that's not how it works so nine to five it is basically i guess something to think about is what kind of schedule are you able to have in your job and are you able maybe to change your job or to start consulting or to work for yourself or Is there some way where you can change or be flexible with your schedule in your work so that you don't have to be there Monday through Friday, nine to five or whatever the schedule is dictated? Is there a way that you can work and you can make your own schedule? That hasn't happened for me, but throwing the it's possible, but a lot of careers that allow that for a lot of people, they are able to do that not <laughs> we're not that lucky but there are some not lucky me, lucky people me, out there but... <laughs> definitely the best job was when i was in barcelona doing the english teaching consulting but of course i didn't work for many hours so i did not make a lot of money but also yeah can you do part-time can you do split shifts i think there are opportunities outside of the nine to five job and so if they're available for you definitely something to think about When I got out of college, I got my first job, and it was in Japan. I actually went to Japan twice, so I went the first time, and then I went back, I don't know, maybe six or seven years later. But at that time, I got a job as an English teacher, my very first job out of college, and I loved it, and it was so awesome. By the way, my period came on the first day. Of the job. Even of course. Even, <laughs> of course it did. Why were you surprised? I, well, of course, I crossed like, I don't know how many time zones. I swapped from day to night going from the U.S. to Japan. And so my body was like, oh, what? You're it's on time, day, right? You're on day 19 of your cycle. <laughs> I better bleed. <laughs> like, rude. No, but, it's so rude. And I literally showed up at the Board of Education in this village in Japan. And it was my first day. It was getting settled. They were showing me the school and all this stuff. And after like one hour... My period came and the I was dragon like, came. I have to go. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, no. And I, and I felt so mortified. Like, can you imagine? It was my first day. Of, and you were right out of college, too. It's pretty young. But the sad thing is that I love that job. That job was so difficult to have because it was not split shift. It was not consulting. I had to be at the school every day from seven to four. And my body was like, nope. Nope. Can't do it. Guess what I want to do at seven? I want to have diarrhea. Be nauseous. Be (laughs) exhausted. Guess what I want to do at two when you have a class? I want to throw up. And so I missed so much class. If that had not been a contract job, I actually, I'm sure they would have fired me 
but I was like stuck with them for a year because they go through like a really intense process to hire people and teachers and train you. So you are there for one year. And I really, really wanted to extend the contract. Like I loved living in Japan, this little town outside of Hiroshima. And I was learning Japanese and I had a, a Japanese teacher and we would drink tea together and Aww, do tea ceremony. So and she had this little tea house made of wood and bamboo. I mean, it was so awesome. And at the end of the year, I, I had to quit the job. And that was so disappointing to me. Also, I think, like I said, if I didn't quit, I'm pretty sure they would not have renewed the <laughs> like, contract. Why not renewing that? I was basically looked in their eyes like the most irresponsible employee because I'm I was trying really hard. I, I was trying really hard, but I was always late. I was always in the bathroom. It was just it was my body was really out of control in the morning when I first woke up. And it was really hard to get there on their schedule. And after I quit that job, I didn't work for like two or three years because I couldn't find a job that was fitting for me and my symptoms. And it felt very shameful. And I think that endometriosis is one of those things that it can take over your life so much that you cannot work at times. And when you cannot work, I mean, at least in the U.S. in this society of to-do lists and productivity and hustle, I kind of felt like oh my God, I have no value. Like I'm not contributing to anything. I don't work. I am a loser. I'm a waste of space, useless. Yeah, it can feel really shameful. Yeah, and I felt embarrassed and everyone around me was out of college. And and yes, I'd gone to Japan. It was all fancy, whatever, but then it ended and it was where I wanted to be and I couldn't be there. And people around me were getting these jobs and it felt like everyone was moving forward in their lives and that I couldn't that I was stuck and that I couldn't move forward. And that was so sad to me. So if you are listening and, you know, you're not able to hold a full-time job or you have to just work part-time or maybe do consulting, we just want you to know that there's no shame. It doesn't make you any less. And it doesn't mean that you don't have value. And it also doesn't mean that this situation will last forever. And you're working hard. Having endometriosis is its own full-time job when you're taking care of yourself. So remember that you're working really hard at something. So it's not, it's not a case of not trying. Everybody with endometriosis tries constantly to just survive. So please remember that. Not you're me. You're working very hard. Amy barely hangs on. I, <laughs> no, I mean, not, I don't mean I'm not surviving. I mean, I'm not trying at all. Like, I, I just do. I just don't do anything. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure the podcast sits as proof against that. <laughs> so as we've kind of alluded to, we think it's really important to find a job that works with and for what you need. And the kind of job that you have can really make or break the experience. So you could have a job doing one type of thing in a certain workplace and doing the same type of thing in a different workplace. And your experience is going to be completely different. While working from home would be ideal. <laughs> yes, Brittany. Like yes. everyone's dream. <laughs> I'm going to work from home four hours a day. But, I but wish. I'm going to make such a high rolling salary. I'm going to get paid $300 <laughs> an oh hour. Gosh. Oh, my <laughs> I think wow. I would make more in a month than I make in like a year right yeah, now at more that salary. Than that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd pay you $300 an hour, but I can't. <laughs> I mean, well, well, working from home, some people can do that. Some people can work remote. That's becoming a lot more common working remotely in a lot of career fields now. And that's a really great direction to look in and head into. But not all careers have that available. So while we'd love that, that's not the option for everything. So, Brittany, if you have a lot of pain or fatigue, 
What might be a good job for you? I think one where you generally are in a calm setting, like an office setting or sitting down most of the day, not having to move too much. That's something I've always thought about. Like, what's a job that I can have where I'm not on my feet? Like, I know Brittany and I both worked in retail. And that's exhausting. Being on your feet all day is so tiring in general. But when you have an illness, it's, it's even more tiring. So let's give a shout out right now to anybody who works on their feet, (laughs) who works on their feet all day in general. And a super shout out if you have endometriosis and work on your feet. Yeah, that's incredible. That is mind blowing. And if we could applaud without breaking the mics, we would. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, yeah, it's impressive to be able to work on your feet, especially during the dragon time. Because sometimes I feel like, how am I going to stand up today? (laughs) So that's just very impressive. And kudos to you guys. I used to teach, as I previously mentioned. I love teaching. Like, I am at heart, I am a teacher. She is. It bleeds through in every aspect (laughs) of her life. Like, she's a bossy teacher. (laughs) Oh, my. I'm No, I'm a direct. You are. Creative. You are. Teacher, Brittany. (laughs) No, you really are a phenomenal teacher. She honestly is. And when I came back to the U.S., I had been teaching for 10 years, and I realized because my endo around 30, I mean, it's always been so challenging, but it just came to the point where, like, my life was falling apart in the about two years before the surgery, and I changed to an office job because I literally, I was like, I cannot be on my feet all day. I cannot be, like, when you're a teacher, always, like, quote, unquote, on. Like, you always have to have a lot of, like, personality and excitement and, and engagement. And, yeah. Yeah. And I just couldn't do it. I was like, I need a job where when I don't feel good, I literally just walk from my car to my office chair and I slump over in my office chair and I move my fingers on the keyboard. And I can plug in my heating pad at my little cubicle. And that is the job that I need right now if I'm going to be able to maintain working while having such severe, severe symptoms. And another really nice thing about an office job and not shift work or being a teacher was that I can go to the bathroom whenever I want. Oh, it's a miracle. It's a blessing. Wow. (laughs) The freedom to just drink something and have a bladder spasm and run to the toilet and have pee that burns. Thank you, IC is so awesome because when I was a teacher, it was like, okay, a class is starting. Don't drink anything. Don't eat anything from 9 to 9.50. You cannot go to the bathroom. You can only go to the bathroom from 9.50 to 10 o'clock. You have 10 minutes. Like, what if I need more than 10 minutes in the bathroom? I need more than 10 minutes. 10 minutes minutes in the bathroom during my period? That's not going to (laughs) happen ever. Here's a 10-minute bathroom break. Like, who can go to the bathroom in 10 minutes? Mm -mm, No, thank you. I sold out, Brittany. I sold out. You did. I exchange my passion for teaching, like real passion. I love teaching, love. Well, I exchange my passion for teaching to be able to go to the bathroom whenever I wanted. And to meet me, let's be honest. To have the comforts (laughs) and stability. That's fair. And the routine of an office. I love the office. And to meet Brittany. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, right. Meeting Brittany has been so awesome. At first, it felt really disappointing to change from teaching to working in an office, and it felt like another thing that I had to give up because of endo. But then when I had the surgeries, two surgeries last year, and the really severe symptoms leading up to the surgeries, so just to be able to be able to sit at my desk, and I was able to work from home during my period, 
just to have that flexibility has been incredible. It's not my dream job. Are you listening work? (laughs) (laughs) My dream job would be a teacher in the classroom. And I gave up my dream. No, I didn't give them up. There's just some pause. I do hope in but the future. But you're fulfilling I, other dreams right now by I, working in an office. I Yeah. I'm still able to work. And because of that, I'm able to rest and I'm able to provide for myself and have an income. So I don't see it anymore as having give something up. I just see it kind of like as being on pause or the thing that I need in my life right now to make my life work. And I do hope that I will be able to return to teaching in the next couple of years. And nothing is forever. As I feel better. Everything can change. Except endometriosis, Brittany. It is forever, but your symptoms don't have to be. Okay. 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 (laughs) Yeah, your dreams shift and change. Had you still been teaching, you wouldn't have been having a podcast. And we wouldn't have this beautiful community that we have. So your life changes. It's true. I wouldn't have all the listeners. You know, we love you. Thank you for reaching out to us. Some of you have reached out to us and we love it. Thank you. We do. We share and then cry a little bit. (laughs) You're so nice to us. But anyway. (laughs) But I think that finding a job can be really, really difficult. And sometimes we have to kind of take what we can. And and that's kind of what you did. I mean, depending on our level of education or what's available, our experience, there's so many factors that go into getting a job, looking for a job. And so we really want to talk about some habits to make the experience of work wherever it is more manageable and better for you. I think we all know that it is hard to get our work done when we're in pain, when we're fatigued, when we're running off to the toilet all the time. So I think it's important to find strategies that work for us. And it's obviously going to be on an individual and a case-by-case basis. And I think it's also going to depend on what your job is. The bottom line is that work is paying you to get your work done. Shocking, (laughs) but (laughs) something we both have to come to understand. (laughs) Well, and something that a lot of people, and I'm not saying endo people, I'm just saying a lot of people are fired because they don't do their work. They don't do their work because they spend their time. However else, other than doing their work. (laughs) Talking or. Surfing the internet. Do people still say surfing the internet? That made me feel like really old. (laughs) I surf the internet all the time. Using the internet. Using the world wide web. Going on. (laughs) Going online. (laughs) Got to get that dial-up connection going. (laughs) So if you have deadlines, you have to meet your deadlines or there can be consequences. You have to get your work done. You have to get your emails answered. You have to get the shelves stocked. You have to get what electricians do. They have to get the wires fused. I tried. If you're, if you're an electrician, <laughs> please write me and tell. Uh, your work is really you important. You get the wiring done. You just yeah, and, but I don't know how to talk about it. <laughs> you have to get the welds welded and the wires welded. And Amy's obsessed with welding right now. Well, because my aunt's electrician, so I do hear about her job, but I'm not. You don't know as much. Yeah, I'm not so familiar <laughs> with the basics. So I'm going to talk about some tactics that I use to get through my work. Because I think the thing is, a lot of us have flares, and we have to find ways to work through our flares. And I'm not by any means telling you to work through a flare, because that's an individual decision that all of us have to make. And I certainly think that there are flares on different levels. So on the first day of my period, I literally get debilitating pain. I actually need someone to drive me to my house and help me up the stairs and put me in. I don't really stay in bed because I'm like writhing around. So (laughs) 
Put, put you in the in, general vicinity of the bathroom. Put me in really the, more what's better for you. Put me in you. the area <laughs> yeah. and set up my puke bucket. Yes. And, and God knows I'm not working on I that day. can attest to that. <laughs> but when I start to, like when that debilitating pain ends on literally on day three, thank you, and I can actually get out of bed again, then I do start working because if I take a ton of vacation days, well, then I would have no vacation left. And then at some point I would use them all by like June <laughs> and then I would be taking unpaid vacation days. And I feel like a lot of us do that. Like a lot of us pick and choose how we want to use our sick days, our vacation days. And we really, a lot of us, and I'm not saying this is right, but I think a lot of us in this community, we just push and push ourselves because we know if we don't go to work, we're going to get fired. Right. And at least that's been my experience personally. And so I'm not by any means telling you to work through a flare. In the perfect world, we would all be resting during our flares. And I try to rest whenever I can. So I worked out with my job that I can work from home for two days during my period. And this has found me working from sitting on the toilet with my laptop, like just sitting on the toilet with a heating pad and being on the toilet for hours answering emails or curled up in a little ball next to the toilet. You always want to be really close to the toilet during the puke bucket nearby for easy (laughs) access. Yeah. (laughs) And literally like puking in the puke bucket. And then a few minutes later, going back and answering the emails, always with the heating pad on and the blessed heating pad. Thank you, Lord. Heating pad. So (laughs) wonderful. And I actually set up a little workstation that is made for people who lay down. They're not that expensive. They're, they're, I don't know, it's like $30 or $40 on Amazon, but you can get like a little tray. Basically, you can put your computer on it and it angles forward so that you're at the proper angle so you can lay down and use your computer or you can get this arm thingy that suspends your computer in the air above you so that you can, so that you can work. So you put like a keyboard on your lap and then work on your screen. <laughs> I'm sorry. Nothing is touching my lap. Okay, Okay, well, not every day. Hence the suspended (laughs) keyboard. (laughs) I would think your arms would get tired after a while. No, because it's low enough that you're resting your elbows on the bed. Mm. And so you just kind of like have your arms propped slightly up at like a 90 degree angle. So you don't have your arms in the air. Like it's literally made for you to just be laying down like a puddle of (laughs) jello. And using, Visual. and using your computer. I like it. So I have all of that. I got all of that workstation set up when I realized that I was going to be in big trouble with my body during my period. I was like, I have to figure out a way to work from home when I'm literally incapable of putting anything on my lap, of sitting up. And I'm pretty sure my work, they don't know that I work a lot of these days from home, from on the toilet, from in a little ball, alternating from throwing up to using the bathroom, to answering an email, to sobbing, to doing my project. And I don't think they have to know that. And if you're listening, yes, sometimes <laughs> that's that, what happens. That's how I work. But I think the ultimate get thing the work is done. I get yeah. my work done. And so those are my tactics for working. And it's hard. And sometimes I'm a little bit horrified, right? I'm like, oh, my gosh, look at me. I'm working from the floor, curled up in a little ball. I'm like, well, a girl's got to do what a girl's got to do. I'm going to get gotta, it done because that's what I always do is just gotta, get it done. Got to get my projects done. Got to pay the bills. Yeah. Got to feed my kitties. <laughs> They're not getting subpar food. Like, look how much of my I have together. Look, I'm so impressive. I mean, honestly, <laughs> it is impressive. <laughs> I feel like for a lot of us, our idea of what of what's appropriate. Like if I told my supervisor that I really feel like because she's so nice and she would be so horrified. She'd be like, oh, my God, what on the earth are you thinking? 
I mean, I bet she'd be shocked that you were working while sick like that. Most likely, she'd probably tell you that you need to take PTO and rest instead. And that's very reasonable. If we're too sick to work, we should take the day off. I mean, I totally agree with that. But in this case that I just talked about, in my case, like, I personally, in these situations, don't find myself too sick to work. Am I sick? Yes, absolutely. But I'm not what I consider for myself too sick to work. Now, on the first day of my period, I definitely consider myself too sick to work. I'm in agony and I can barely string together a sentence. And so I don't work, not at all. All I do is rest in bed. I think you mean writhe in bed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, writhe in bed. That's a lot more accurate. Is resting writhing? When you writhe, are you resting? Or I don't think I've ever rested without writhing. Now that I think of it. <laughs> when people rest, are they actually like sitting still? Or they? Yeah, how, what does that look like for people who get to rest? I'd like to know. <laughs> but for me, I feel that I can work on these days that my flares are less. I mean, sure, I'm uncomfortable and I'm miserable, but I still feel capable of working from home from my bed or from the bathroom. So I know myself, and I think that's something really important is that, you know, after all this time of having endo and being sick and living with this disease, I know when I need to take it easy, and I know when I'm okay to push myself. I think that we all have different thresholds of what is tolerable and okay to us and appropriate to us and to the situation that we are in. We just want to make it clear that we are not advising anyone listening to push yourself or to work through a flare. No, definitely not advising that. No. We believe in taking care of our bodies and resting slash writhing and trying to feel better. And we really sincerely hope that you're able to do that every time that you need to. But we also want to talk about how working is complicated for people with chronic illness. We may have serious concerns about frequently calling out sick and losing our jobs or our health care. If we're in the U.S. where our health insurance is often tied to our job, that's extra worrying. Our financial stability and our ability to support ourselves or our families. I feel lucky to have changed to this office job because if I had still been working in the school system, I definitely would have had to quit my job in this past year because of all the flares that I had. Just like how I had to quit my first job when I was teaching. Because, well, I mean, I can't very well teach a class from the bathroom. I mean, maybe you could do, like, video conference with the students. You know, technology is really good nowadays. <laughs> oh, my God. A little Zoom from the bathroom, you know? Ooh, the bathroom Zoom. Yeah, there you go. The Zoom room in the bathroom. <laughs> you can get a little stand. You just put the laptop on it. It's only shoulders up. If you have to pause the video to have a really grimacing face, you do that, but then it's right back on. There you tell all the students, like, especially if they're young kids, you'd be like, okay, everyone, we're all going to make a face right now as if you were playing with your Legos and you made a building and now we're going to all crush it like Godzilla. All right, everyone, three, two, one, make the face. And then you grimace and like <laughs> and push your on face. your anus. <laughs> that's a wonderful way to hide that. <laughs> no, but honestly, I've got so comfortable from working from the toilet. I seriously find the toilet superior to my cubicle. Fair. (laughs) (laughs) I love the toilet. 
on the day before my surgery, I had to do bowel prep, you know, seven <laughs> hours on the day. toilet. And I was just on the toilet working those seven. I literally did not get up. I was like, why am I going to get up and then wipe and then go back in five minutes? And you could really get your skin really raw back there having, oh, yeah. to, having to wipe all those times, even if you have baby wipes. So I was like, I'll just sit here till everything's evacuated, take like six hours. So I just work from home, my regular work day, from entirely from the toilet. <laughs> they call it the throne for a reason. <laughs> I am the queen. I'm the queen of the toilet. The queen of the working. toilet. The telecommute toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I was like, I need to work remotely. From my toilet? <laughs> from my bathroom floor. But I promise I will get all my work done and you will have no idea that I was doing that. They're like, your work is really Excellent when you're at home, I Amy. Know. Like, yeah. The bathroom is really conducive for my productivity. The cold floor on my forehead really peps me up. <laughs> well, and think about it. You save so much energy. Like, it's not like I'm at my cube and then I have to run to the toilet. Think Smile about when energy. your coworker says hi to you. <laughs> oh, Lord. Think about all that energy you expend, it's right? True. Yeah. It's like you get an urge, you just release it. Especially right if the, the toilet's toilet. far away from your workstation. Whew. Oh, my. That's a long walk. Not good. Mm-mm. So while we laugh about Amy, you know, shifting between emailing and puking. Why are you laughing at me? Taking a call and pooping. You were laughing, okay? God, what a meanie. Because it's hilarious. <laughs> so while we giggle at that, the point is that those are choices Amy has made for herself to be able to accommodate her work demands and her endometriosis demands. That's what works for Amy. I mean, I know sometimes when I work from home, if I'm feeling really nauseous in the morning, that means I'm working later that afternoon. So we have to make these accommodations in order to get our work done. But anything that we can do to make it easier on ourselves is worth doing. Well, I like what you said about if you have nausea. Not that I like that you have nausea. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> nausea sucks. I hate it. Oh, nausea gosh. is the absolute worst. Well, they're all terrible in their own regards. But, but nausea, but nausea really else. makes you feel so ill and disgusting. It's just frustrating and powerless. And, oh, I hate. I'm frequently nauseous. And I hate it. Hello, Brittany. <laughs> My hormones Hello, are baby, Brittany. <laughs> Hormonally nauseous. Oh. <laughs> Well, I love that you said that if you can, you take a, a longer break in the morning or start work a little later, and then you will work later when you feel better. And I know that this is also a tactic that I employ, which is smart time management. And for example, I know my own case, when my period is approaching, I get really bad brain fog. Oh, the brain fog. It's so it. bad, Brittany. So <laughs> bad. Thick, I could cut it with a knife, but I can't, for the life of me, figure out where the knives are. <laughs> oh, brain fog's my I'm favorite. in the kitchen. I'm pretty sure their knives are here. Oh, this is the printer room, and that's or, a piece they? of paper. Or, <laughs> what is this ruler doing in my hand? Sometimes Amy and I will look at each other, just blank stares when our periods are synced up, and just like for like two minutes, we'll just stare at each other. And then she'll go, why did I come in here? I'll go, why are you in here? Like, is don't, <laughs> When did you get in here? I don't yeah, know, Brittany. Don't put the two of us in a room together when we both have our period. It's, it's hilarious. Can I tell you my biggest fear? Yeah. My biggest fear when I have brain fog is that I'm going to leave the house with no pants on. <laughs> okay, it's like my biggest fear. One time I left the house with no shoes on. <laughs> I wore mismatching shoes before, oh too. <laughs> The brain fog is real. I've forgotten my glasses, my phone, oh my, my Lord. purse, like <gasps> so many things. Do you remember my first year 
I had my first review is like my six month performance review. Mm-hmm. And we have like a business trending business toward, casual. Yeah. T- trending towards a little on the heavy ca- on the casual side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trending towards casual. We dress more on the heavy on the business casual side, but eh, yeah, it's a little mixed there. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I was like, okay, it's my first review. I had like a little blazer, just cute, cute. and a little tank top and nice slacks. And I wore them, a little nice shoes. And I went to work and I put on my makeup and I forgot. <laughs> As I, I, wanted, I want you to know that when I was younger, because I'm Italian, I had very bushy eyebrows. And, and the so 90s were not good to your eyebrows. I plucked them as one teenager and college student would do. And now they're so thin. They're like little lines. And I have to, every morning, fill if them. I want to have like a, like a more beautiful eyebrow, I fill them with eyebrow pencil. I never touched mine. Mine are still au natural. <laughs> Get out of my face, Brittany, with those. I will shave them off when you are sleeping. They'll still grow back normal. I didn't have years of overplucking. I will so. pluck them. The 90s were good to me. <laughs> She's so terrible. It's so terrible. Listen, if you pluck your eyebrows too much, there's a chance they will not grow back. Yes. And no one Don't ever. Don't overpluck. Tweezers should come with that advice. They should come with a warning sign. The Think black of the future. warning <laughs> saying in the future, you may be eyebrowless. Or very thin eyebrows. Eyebrows make the shape of your face. They do. And they I, frame your and face. And I really don't have, they're like little thin lines. <laughs> so she beautifully fills her eyebrows. I'm quite quick at it now. Yes, she so, is. It's quite effective. Anyhow, anywho, anyways. She's a little self-conscious without her eyebrows. So Well, yeah, a, because you look different. Because yeah. every day you go to work and you have eyebrows. And then one day you go to work and you, and have, you have these no eyebrows. really thin <laughs> eyebrows. So guess what happened? Yeah, what did you forget? Review, which I dressed all fancy. I wore like every fancy business thing I had. And then I realized I got to work and Brittany just was looking at me, kind of like trying to place what was Something's happening. Off. Something. I didn't my know. eyebrows. I didn't put my eyebrows on. And so we're after in the performance review and I'm in a blazer. So professional with no, no eyebrows. eyebrows. And I was so self-conscious of the fact that I had no eyebrows. I'm like, I literally couldn't because I had such bad brain fog that day because my period was like about to come. And so the point is, often when I got my period, my big <laughs> things when I have my brain fog is I forget to put on my eyebrows. And sometimes I will leave the house. And I will not be wearing any pants because I walk around <laughs> in my apartment with boy short underwear. And sometimes I'll go out and I'll put on a put shirt shoes on and, and like a little <laughs> jacket and I'll get my shoes on and I'll be unlocking the door and I'll look down and I'll be like, oh my gosh. you are not wearing pants. You're going to be arrested. Oh, my goodness. And so that's been my big fear. Literally, if I have brain fog and I'm at work, sometimes I'll just look down and I'll be like, OK, you're wearing pants. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Thank God you're wearing pants. <laughs> the brain fog, honestly, if you have any hilarious brain fog stories, we find them the funniest. Please share those because those do not stop getting funny. They're just hilarious. They're just classic. Yes, they are. <laughs> oh, the stories we could tell. Well, the point, I think the point was the brain fog is really bad. And so I'd actually, I feel at times that impairs my ability to think clearly and to do a good job. And so what I found works for me, but it's because we have projects and we have deadlines. And so usually they'll assign a project. So they'll be like, oh, this project is due in one week. And so if I look at my calendar and I see that the red dragon, red dragon landing is flying in <laughs> on a cloud of brain fog. You like what I did there? Yes, that was beautiful. <laughs> wow, that's just peak. Thank you. I'm, I don't have fog peak right skill. now. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm so sharp right now. But <laughs> don't get me next week. I'll be like, eh, what's it? She'll be like, podcast, I'll be like, what's, how do you spell that? Be funnier if that wasn't the first time that it happened. But yeah. 
so what I'll do is I'll look at my calendar, and if I realize that my period is scheduled to come and that I'm going to have brain fog, then I will get my work done way ahead of the deadline. And sometimes this has meant, unfortunately, working on the weekend or staying late. Like if I know my period is coming the next week, like on Wednesday, I will usually stay late on Friday night, four hours late or so, and I will get ahead of all of my work that can be gotten ahead of. So that this way in the next week, I can just do emails, you know, things that trickle in, but all the like big projects. All the brain power projects. Yeah, or like invoicing, money, things. All of that is done. And I know in my heart that it's been done properly to the best of my ability. But I haven't done it like a haze. I'm like, what's five plus seven? What's a dollar sign mean? (laughs) Where's the calculator? I mean, there's money involved. (laughs) I forgot what numbers are. (laughs) And again, in a perfect world. For me, in a perfect world, you'd be based on your performance and you would be able to work on your own flexible schedule. And so it would basically mean that I would work on my own hours, but I would always hit my deadlines. I would always have peak performance and I would always get my things done. But the world we live in is a world of schedules and <laughs> imposed schedule. Yeah. Arbitrarily imposed schedules. <laughs> they don't really care if it's effective or efficient. They just want it that way because everyone else wants it that way. So unfortunately, I usually put in overtime that then I don't get back because I don't get to swap my schedule and be like, oh, guess what? I'm getting brain fog next week. So I worked Friday night when I was clear. And then on Tuesday, I'm actually going to take the morning off because I'm not going to be very productive. And I already did all that work on Friday night. Awesome if that happened. (laughs) So that doesn't happen. So actually, I put in with my own my own free time. Endo, you take so much of my free time. If it's not pooping, if it's not writhing in pain. Laying in the bed fatigued. Did I say pooping already? Yes. Say it again. Did I say pooping? (laughs) Yes. Say it again. I pretty much poop all the time. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's gotten better, but seriously, endo. And then working overtime because in the time of work, I'm going to be too debilitated to actually get my work done. So I got to get my work done. I got to go in on Saturday. I got to work for six hours. So on Monday, I can sit there for six hours, <laughs> but be at work. Oh, my God. <laughs> just answer the emails. Just get through the simple things. Get That's what you say when it for. comes in, but not have to do hardcore crunch yes. brain things. So, again, this is something that works for me. This may or may not work for you. It's obviously wouldn't work for teaching. I wouldn't show up on Saturday. Okay, I'm going to teach, teach all my classes for Tuesday. There's no students here, but I taught them anyway. All right, I'm going to get to work at 11 p.m. I know the store closes at 10, but I'm going to cash everyone out <laughs> tomorrow morning like that. Don't work like that. I mean, that'd be awesome, but it doesn't work like that. I think ultimately your work wants to know you can get your job done. So it's better to tell your boss that you did something in advance or that you've set something up in the event you're not able to do what we're talking about, work in advance, than to say, oh, I'm going to miss that deadline or I'm not going to make that deadline so I need somebody else to pick up the slack for me. That's not what an employer wants to hear. So or I need pro- extra time. Yeah. Like yeah, you realize I'm going to miss the deadline. I need more days. You realize yeah. your period is coming. You're like, oh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to manage it. And then you don't end up managing it. And... You're like, oh, I'm actually going to turn this in one day late. That's not music to the boss's ears. No, being proactive rather That's than... That's like nails on a chalkboard. Oh, yeah, because like when you're reactive, when you're cleaning stuff up that didn't go according to plan, rather than being proactive and setting up your boss's expectations and yourself for success, it's just never going to lead to a good trusting situation that could allow for a more accommodation in the future. 
I hope my boss is not listening to this episode. <laughs> but if she is, if she, she does, would know what she your does work know that is I have like. a podcast. And so then I hope she would be like, you're a rock star because I would hope. You work around your work, which your other work is your endo. So it's pretty yeah, impressive. I mean, I would hope that's something like this. Of course, like I said, the boss doesn't want to know. There are days when you have really bad brain fog. But do you know what I honestly think? I mean, if you look around, I'm really into peak, like I am so into peak performance. I've read so, I mean, mental performance and physical, but I've read so many books on how to be distraction free, like how to focus, how, how to deep think, how to. And I get, and actually I'm one of the people who, because we have these things called passion presentations at work and I give presentations to my coworkers about how, organization, high performance, yeah. how to focus your energy, how, how to time to be, manage, how to be more productive. Like she how to is get, the person. <laughs> how to get more done in less time because I have been living with this problem where for me, in one way, I want to I want to thank. Yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to thank. Oh, this is the award ceremony? Endometriosis. <gasps> oh, oh my <laughs> This is taking a twisted turn. Is wow. Amy sick? Does she have a fever? It's the brain fog. <laughs> Great <laughs> comment. It's crouching. It's crouching. Now, what I do say, I want to, I want to thank endometriosis because if there's one thing that I've learned over the years is that my future time can be taken away from me, and not like I'm gonna die or something. I mean, I am gonna die one day, but what I'm. <laughs> Whoa, this okay, took another hold, turn. Reel it in. Reel it in. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my god, losing it. Ooh. So what I mean is that at any moment I could have a flare, and I have seen that. History repeats itself. Okay. <laughs> every month. <laughs> no, like every week. And when I was younger, it was so just any moment I could have a flare, I would be feeling good. Everything would be fine. And then I would eat something or I would sneeze or I would pick up a pencil. I would drink a glass of cold water. Do not drink cold water. It is so dangerous the to devil. the uterus. Okay. <laughs> like the uterus does not want cold water. It's like cramps. I'm like, no, 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 no. I made a mistake. I no, made a... soothing, soothing. It'll warm up in a I moment. I made a mistake. Just I made a mistake. Be warm inside. It's okay. <laughs> Don't drink cold water. So what I've learned from that is that at any moment I could not feel good. And so... If I feel good in this moment, I get my stuff done. And that might be work or that might be I have to go to the grocery store. And I don't want to. Like, I'm like, oh, I mean, I hate going to the grocery store. But I'm like, if I feel good, go to the store if I need food. Because who knows if in three hours, if I wait, if I'm going to feel good. And so in a way, thank you, endometriosis. Because you've really taught me that the endo bird gets the worm. That life is a ticking time bomb, so you better work with the time that you got. <laughs> and that's helped me at work, right? So it's like if I come in and sometimes people are chatting or they're just like, oh, it's Monday. Like, I'm not really in the mood to start working yet. I'm like, oh, no, I feel good. Nothing's happening. Like, nothing's wrong with me. I can work. Boom. I'm, I'm on working. It. I'm working. Because who knows if later I'm not going to be able to work. And so I'll take advantage of those bursts. Ultimately, I feel Like, even though I'm like, oh, yeah, sometimes I have brain fog at work or sometimes I'm on the toilet or whatever, I feel that I'm, I would even say, dare say, more productive than, like, an average worker because the average worker spends a lot of time goofing off. Being unproductive. Yeah, wasting time. Yeah, and they've done so many studies. You have to push yourself with endo. You have to push. Well, not just with endo, but as a worker in general, it's Mm -hmm. just so easy to be distracted, to be like, oh, yeah, look, I'll answer some emails. Look at my Instagram, look at my Facebook. Then I look at my phone. Oh, and then I'll go back and I'll have 20 tabs. Talk to my coworker for an hour. And then I'll have 20 (laughs) tabs open, but I will be kind of like not really doing anything in any of the tabs and I'll be feeling overwhelmed. I've done so much research into this because 
I have found it really hard to have a job and have severe endo with severe symptoms. And so I cannot waste time because when I am wasting time, it's wasting time from having endo. <laughs> and Red Dragon's going to demand that time. So you've got to supply And it. that time is non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Like if your coworker comes, they're like, oh, hey, let's chat. And you're just like, I'm so sorry. I would love to talk to you right now. But unfortunately, I have a really big deadline. So I'd love to chat in a few days. And they're like, oh, no okay. problem. You got to guard your time. Set the boundaries. Ooh. <laughs> so the next thing to consider about having endometriosis in the workplace is to consider whether or not you want to disclose that to your employer or your direct supervisor. Obviously, that's 100% up to you in the situation that you're in. Some people disclose it because they gain peace from talking about it. Some people disclose it in order to ask for accommodations, which is what Amy did. So it really depends on your personal situation. But if you do decide that you want to disclose that, I think the most important thing to know is that timing is super important. And what I mean by the timing is when in the process you want to disclose that or how soon after you start. If you do it soon after, then you can have that conversation up front and you can be very direct about what you need in order to be successful at the job you were hired for. Sometimes waiting can be really productive as well because you can really establish that you are a rock star worker, which we know you all are. You can establish that you're really trustworthy and you're competent and you can show that you have had a change that requires you to have an accommodation in order for you to maintain that level of really high work ethic. Also, asking during slower periods or on Fridays is a really good time to ask. I was just about to say on Friday. <laughs> Fridays are like peak day to ask for things, okay? <laughs> Never in the morning because when people yes. come in, they're, they're stressed. They're stressed. Yeah. They got their workload. They want to get all the work Friday done. Friday afternoon is like fancy After lunch, free. You oh, don't want to yeah. ask them when they're feeling hangry, Mm-mm. when they're in a bad mood. Because you want them to be able to focus on what you're asking. And have empathy. On your request <laughs> yeah. and not be in a rush to get to a meeting you want them to be able to give their full attention yeah. and to be able to really listen Alleviate to, all the reasons to what they you're might not saying. Mm-hmm. I ended up having to ask for accommodation. And so I ended up telling my work. I had been working there for about six months and I hadn't told them I had endometriosis. I, I didn't want to tell them because I didn't want them to see me as incapable of doing my job or just to see me as an illness or. There's so many reasons. Why, yeah. Or that just, are very valid. Or to see me like. If I was sick one day to think maybe I was lazy or I just didn't want any kind of negative judgment. They were very receptive, but I wish looking back that I had been more confident. I wish looking back because I was really scared. I was really scared they were going to, I don't know why they would fire me, but I was really scared that they would fire me or I felt for so many years like I've been trying to prove at work that I'm capable even though I have my illness and even though I need this accommodation, like I always feel like I have to overachieve or just show that I'm capable. I don't know where these feelings are coming from. I think that's the perfectionist in you. No, it's like these feelings of inadequacy. I think that a lot of us being told over and over, Mm -hmm. your pain isn't real, being dismissed, being called lazy. Just being called all these different names that we've talked about in previous episodes. So it's in, it in many ways. Your confidence. It, yeah, it's just made me feel like I can't possibly need something. It couldn't possibly be this bad. You really undermine yourself. And the lack of confidence can really change how you approach the situation. Because if you don't believe you need it, then why would anybody else believe that you need something? 
And you do need it. If you think that you need an accommodation, you need the accommodation because at the end of the day, you want to get your work done and you have to have this thing in place in order to get it done. But I think you're right. I think it's after all these years of being chipped away at that you're not being realistic. You're over exaggerating. It's in your head. You, you should be able to, to internalize push through it. it. You yeah. should be able to do it. It's not accurate, but it's internalized. And that's, I think, part of being a part of this community is we've you know, all had that experience. And then the other thing that's really important when you're actually having the conversation, once you've determined your peak time, is to be factual, be calm, and be concise. And the last one can be really, really hard, especially when you're talking about something emotional. It could be really helpful to actually write up what you want to say beforehand because you can really hone what you want to talk about. I know that's something that Amy practiced with me many times when she would say it. She'd kind of go off the rails because she was nervous and she was scared and it was emotional. But that doesn't help the, the supervisor to make the accommodation. It can kind of turn them on the defensive or kind of make them kind of take a step back because dealing with each other's emotions is just something that's hard for people. It's uncomfortable, Brittany. It's, it's uncomfortable. uncomfortable. So that's why we're not saying don't have emotions about it because, you know, we have emotions about it. But in those scenarios and in, in a workplace setting, professional. being professional and concise as possible is a positive thing because it shows that you're able to handle yourself. And that's something that's really difficult. So practice with a friend, a family member, somebody that you trust, because the practice is going to help you feel more confident when you actually do it for the, the person that it matters to do it for. And what's the ultimate goal? So you're like, oh, I'm asking for an accommodation, for example. But what is the ultimate goal? The ultimate goal is to be able to do the level of work they're expecting in a way that, that you're able to do it in. Yes. So keep the goal in mind. You want to make sure that when you talk about it, you're not detracting from your abilities or your competence level or In your order performance for me to keep level. doing the work that you expect of me that I have, I been, have doing. been doing this whole time. I require this in order to maintain that work and to be able to continue to meet my deadlines and continue to provide the work level that I've been providing. And that's the selling point. That is really the one that knocks at home. So what if now your supervisor said yes? Yes, Brittany, I agree that it sounds like you need these accommodations and I grant you two days to work from home during your cycle. First. I would never say period because that's a disgusting <laughs> oh, it's word. it's not professional. So I would go ahead and cycle. just say cycle because that could be anything, like a bicycle. <laughs> I don't think that. Or I think the context the cycle is of clear. The seasons. <laughs> well, first, you would say thank you because thank you for making the accommodations for me. And second and most important, you get it in writing. So it's very important that you have whatever accommodations they agree to in writing. And this is because your supervisor could change or a company policy could change. But you need to have this documentation. And if you have an HR department, it should be submitted to HR. If you don't have an HR department, then it should be printed and signed by both you and your supervisor. And you should keep a copy for yourself. And this is just to protect yourself. There's nothing wrong or scary about having things in writing. It's also a benefit for your supervisor and you can present it as such. I'd like to get this in writing so both of us have this expectation and we can revisit this if we need to and just take control of that, provide it to them for them to sign. And that is really important so that you know that you're protected for what you've gained after this very hard and difficult conversation you've just had. And then additionally, I wanted to add on, if they give you the accommodation, don't fall over yourself thanking them. So yeah, don't overthink. 
accepted. Don't over apologize. Don't overthink. For me, I was like, oh, my God, what a favor they're doing me, letting me work from home during my period. And thank you so much. And oh, I appreciate it. And thank you. And all oh, you can't imagine how much this will help me. Keep it professional. Just thank you so much for understanding, for granting me these accommodations and done. They're not doing you a favor. It's a medical accommodation that you need. And you're going to in exchange. You're still going to give them what they expect, give which them is work. <laughs> high performance work. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't look like a favor to me. Mm-mm. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> Next. In the United States, in some companies, there's something called FMLA. So FMLA is the Family and Medical Leave Act, and it allows you 12 weeks of unpaid leave in a 12-month period. And so you can use it for intermittent leave, which means you use a couple of days each month, for example, when your period comes. Or you can also use it for long stretches, like you could take FMLA if you're recovering from your surgery and you need more time and you use all of your vacation days. It sucks because it's not paid. But it's wonderful because it protects your job. It's not available to all workers. It depends on the size of your company. It depends on how long you've worked there and other factors. You do have to submit medical documentation. You'll have to have your doctors sign it. I did put an FMLA for my work because, as I mentioned, my periods were so debilitating. I couldn't take painkillers leading up to the surgery. And so I absolutely needed to take the time off during my period. And again, it's like no one wants to take unpaid leave. We all want to get paid. but Ultimately, yes, I want to get paid, but ultimately I don't want to lose my job just because I can't work for two days a month. And so that was something that was really helpful to me. And I also think that in the eyes of my supervisor, like it really validated my illness. Not that we have to. the seriousness of it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like we shouldn't have to go around validating our (laughs) illness. We're humans and validation is required for everything. And also with endometriosis, right? It's just like we spend our whole lives trying to validate the fact that we're sick. But I feel like that was really, yeah, that was really helpful. Something to keep in mind as well, if you are allowed that accommodation, and not just FMLA, but a personalized accommodation that your work offers you, to keep in mind that it's really important to not take that to the extreme and use it not for its intended purpose. So not to use it for a reason other than why it was given to you. Okay, so I go out drinking on Sunday night. Which actually I wouldn't do because I don't drink because <laughs> alcohol makes me really sick. Can we talk about endo hangover? Oof. Wow. Endover. <laughs> Just end it already. And then you come in on Monday and you're hungover and you're like, oh, I have to leave because of my endo. Well, you smell like vodka and your <laughs> and you posted- post looks like you were at Coachella. So. <laughs> no, no, I swear those are old pictures. Mm-hmm. Well, Coachella's this weekend, so. <laughs> That's my twin. Oh, oh, on your own Instagram. Got answers for everything. Yeah. We that... share Instagram. We share everything. We're twins. Yeah. Okay. I mean, are you talking about us? Because like that sounds <laughs> legitimate. <laughs> I mean, we're not saying any of you could do that, but we do want to put it out there because it is something that happens. Well, and I have known people who have accommodations yeah. at work for, not for endo, like I know someone has an accommodation for IBD, for inflammatory bowel disease. And this person who shall remain nameless and who I will never tattletale on because it's not my place, but as I watch and fester inside, 
Okay. <laughs> fester, not just like the endo festering, but your emotions festering? This person abuses their accommodation, and I can't stand it. This person lies. Oh, I'm not feeling good. Oh, I'm in the toilet. And then you see this person outside smoking, and you're like, come on. If the work finds out that you're not using your accommodations the way that you set them up, who knows if they're going to crack down on everyone using accommodations? Yeah, well, it, it loses the trust in anybody who uses them because it's kind of like one rotten apple spoils the bunch or whatever it is. Like, it's kind of true. You know, the phrase should be one moldy raspberry gets mold on all the raspberries. Next, your clothes are trying to kill you at all times. They're boa constrictors. <laughs> Every single item, a constrictor. <laughs> Elastic bands, kick them out. Buttons and flies, kick them out. <laughs> <laughs> Loose and flowy, oh, yes. Spandex. <laughs> oh, Leggings. Jeggings. <laughs> dresses. Anything loose and flowy on the midsection, you're in. Everything else is out. <laughs> and anything that you can get really puffy and bloated in. Oh, yeah. A little extra room <laughs> for the belly. <laughs> yeah, just make sure you're setting yourself up for success in your work wardrobe there. Always have some really nice business casual clothing. It's also really accommodating for your bloating midsection. <laughs> On that note, it could be nice to have extra clothes in your space. So personally, I have underwear. can never have enough underwear at work. Extra underwear just to change into, just in case, you know. In case it rears its ugly head. We'll have a little accident, you know. Could be a little bit of blood. Could be a little bit of icy incontinence. Could be a little bit of the back. extra discharge you know. Could be a little bit in the back, the back door. Incontinence. Yeah, things happen, okay. You want to be prepared. You don't want to be just sitting there and just like a soggy, bloody. You're like, this sucks. Horrifying. Just horrifying. And then it's just when also keep a plastic baggie at your desk. Yes, very useful. you want to. A sealable one, not like a shopping bag, like a Ziploc. Oh, yeah. Lock everything in there. (laughs) It's just going to close that till I get home and dump that right in the wash machine. (laughs) And then other supplies. I think we already know the period kit, the tampons, the pads, the painkillers, the heating pad. Oh, always. Blessed. Never go anywhere without it. Oh, my God. One for home, one for work. (laughs) Highly recommend that. So you want to get all the supply kit in there. So how can you think of, just try to think of what you can, but then if one day you're at work and you're like, oh my gosh, I could really use a deodorant. That's a then good one. make it your priority. Yeah. Get an extra work one. To put that thing in your desk. If you mm-hmm. need it once, you might need it again. So <laughs> I have like six drawers. She has a whole little, one of those white and clear filing cabinets that she puts under her desk. And the top like a- draw is the pads and tampons. And the second draw is the medication. And the third draw is the deodorant and the underwear and the extra clothes. And the last draw is <laughs> like she has this list, like big kit that she has with her at all times. It's highly impressive. Okay. People come to me. They're like, they'll come and they'll be like, oh, I have a migraine. Do you have medicine? I'm like, yep. yep. <laughs> Which like, kind do you want? <laughs> oh my God, I just got my period and I don't have any. Stuff. Which size do you want? <laughs> got you right there. We yep. have super plus, plus, large, regular, yep. mini. We have an OB. We have a pad. <laughs> the size five, size four, size three, size two, size one, overnight, long, foam. She's like thin a pharmacy, foam, okay? Flexi foam. <laughs> My well, kit's like, not that big. Hers, hers rivals no one. Like her kit the is the local drugstore is like. Why am I going out of business? <laughs> Amy is supplying everyone. <laughs> but it's important to have that. And you're never caught unaware, and you're never caught unprepared. Even, unprepared is panicking. 
prepared is not panicking. I even have a teddy bear at my desk. Yes. For the really difficult moments, sometimes you need to hug something. You need something cuddly. So something that you know Amy and I are very passionate about and talk about a lot is setting yourself up for success. We've previously talked about maintaining your routine and how important it is to establish that routine, set boundaries in order for you to keep that routine, and how beneficial that can be to managing your symptoms in your day-to-day life. So in order to set yourself up for success, it's really key to go listen to those episodes about that, but also (laughs) (laughs) to establish your routine. Shameless plug. Well, it's true. We talk about it at length because it's so important and it's such a complex topic because everybody's routine has to be different based on everybody's needs. So I may be really nauseous in the morning, so I need something in the morning that Amy might have a lot of leg pain at night, so she needs something else. So you have to switch what you need according to your routine, according to what your body dictates that you need. So the routine is really crucial in order for you to maintain that high work level or that high performance in whatever you're doing. And the routine is just so important. Since most of us have a schedule that's set, for example, a lot of us do work Monday through Friday from, I don't know, let's say nine to five, or maybe some people are nurses and they work in the evening and they always work from 7 p.m. to 5 a.m. So if you have a job where you have a schedule that you follow five days a week, then might be highly recommended to actually follow that schedule every single day. Yeah, don't break it on the days that you're off. Yeah, so go to sleep every night at the same time. Maybe wake up every day at the same time, even on the weekend, eating at the same time. It doesn't have exactly. You're not like, oh, it's 9.55. It's my breakfast time. But I feel like the body, like the endo body, It really does crave and love routine. Yes. And plus, we are really good with routine. We naturally have these circadian rhythms that have a lot to do with our sleep Mm -hmm. and the sun rising and the times we eat. And there are optimal times for digestion and peak mental performance. And the less curveballs that you throw your body's way, the easier it's going to be for it to just maintain homeostasis, which is just like, it's okay. It's maintaining what it's supposed to be doing. And isn't that the goal is just maintain being okay? So, yeah, the less curveballs you throw on it, the weekends are always like, I just want to sleep in. Well, I mean, sometimes you may need to, but keeping to your rise and and wake and sleep schedule during that weekends will help your body to stay normal and stay regular during just in general. So we're all different. So I think we need to judge for ourselves what we need that helps us get to work, that helps us be successful. So you might find that packing your lunch daily helps you avoid endo flares, or maybe you need to take a walk before work and that's going to help with your fibro pain, or maybe you know that you have to eat protein for breakfast or the brain fog is going to become debilitating. Definitely, if you know something works for you, then trying to do that during the week. So if you know that a certain food gives you a flare and you're like, well, I want to eat it anyway because I want that food cool. You've thought about it. You've made a decision. You're going to eat it with intention, but maybe don't do that on a work day, right? So on the weekends, like, I'll loosen up my my very, 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 very strict diet. I'll have like two olives and then pass out for three hours. Two olives. Oh, such flexibility. (laughs) They're so good. I like put them in my mouth and then I, I I don't scarf them down. 
I choose. Well, there's two of them. So... I don't know how you're going to scarf, but okay. <laughs> no, but you know, if you're like eating something, you're excited and you just like, it was in your mouth and now it's swallowed and you're, it's gone. You got to eat the things so slowly to savor the flavor, Brittany. One time Amy discovered these cashews <laughs> that had like this salt and vinegar flavor and she would buy five of them at a time and she'd be like, I'm going to eat these five cashews this week. <laughs> this is my treat to myself. I mean, yeah, like it sounds silly, but when you have bowel really funny, urgency okay? <laughs> that makes you crap your pants, it's worth it. You have very emotionally <laughs> motivated to not crap your pants i'm aware of that at work okay so i'm like okay if i'm gonna but those little things you can do here and there like it's worth it you loved those cashews you oh love those gosh. olives so they're, they're worth doing me. those oh, things so good so good <laughs> but the point is i don't like if you know that there's a potential to get sick try not to do that during the week on a, yeah on an important day <laughs> so if your schedule for example is monday to friday then then I would really say, you have know, those olives and salt and vinegar cashews on Saturday. On Saturday. <laughs> Sunday's the recovery day. So you got to plan ahead. <laughs> Finally, we have talked about this in previous episodes, but to not be afraid to ask for help if you need it. And sometimes we all need help and there's no shame in needing help. As I am learning and continue <laughs> to learn. As someone who's battled shame for a very long time. But basically, it could be really good to enlist a partner in crime at work. What's a partner in crime, Amy? Someone who you're like, I can't do my work today. And they're like, I'll do it. No. <laughs> oh, that's like in high school, the football player would ask oh the geek gosh. in the movies. Yeah, I was like, that's not <laughs> real life, the movies. <laughs> okay, no, 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 not that. But no, a partner in crime would be someone that... So it would be like your friend at work or a trusted coworker who knows that you have endometriosis and who can help you if a situation becomes dire. So I think a lot of us might have emergency drivers. I know that I have two emergency drivers at work. So this means if I get a flare or if I get my period and I don't get out of there in enough time or if like the pain starts to become crippling and I deem it is too dangerous to drive myself but I need to get home and Lord knows I'm not taking an Uber. Call my Uber and they show up and you're like, oh, hunched Don't mind over. me while I arrive in pain in your backseat. I uh, promise just, to puke in a bag. Just ignore all the screaming. Yeah, no problem there. <laughs> You'll be blocked from Uber services. Like, we're never like, picking her up Try again. to get an Uber. They're just like, we no longer offer services in your city. But like, But my friend got one. Just like- We no longer <laughs> offer services around 25 to 30 days of this time frame for you. <laughs> Every amount of that time, you're blocked. The rest of the time, you're fine. There's a blackout period. You have to update your like, menstrual cycle. Yeah, it's my cycle. blackout period, too. <laughs> it can feel really vulnerable to ask someone, oh, excuse me, I literally need you to drive a getaway car so that I can escape from work when the pain is intolerable. Forming those bonds can be really great because then people are there for you and are supportive of you. We really want to express that having an illness doesn't change your skill as a worker, doesn't interfere with your ability to do your job to the skill level that you possess. It doesn't make you not capable. It doesn't mean you're not efficient or productive. It definitely doesn't mean you're lazy or incompetent. And as I mentioned before, I almost think in some ways that having endometriosis has helped highlight my skills as a worker like it's helped me be more intentional with my work not goof off not get distracted figure out how to communicate effectively about having this illness 
there have been some, I mean, there have been some perks. Small glimmers. Small, yeah. <laughs> small, small little gl- bits of glitter. Small little glitches in time. <laughs> but I know that having an illness and having to find the strength to go to work every single day when you have a flare, when you don't feel good, when you're having bowel urgency, when your bladder is burning, when you're so fatigued that it's like you want to tape your eyelids open. Don't try that. Do they make a is contraption that, that will do that that's for how you? I, that's how I lost my eyebrows. I didn't pluck them. <laughs> I just tried to tape my eyelids open. <laughs> and then I ripped the tape off. They all yeah, that's, that's not effective for eyebrows. <laughs> Don't do that. But we know how hard it is to go to work every single day to find the emotional, the mental strength to just keep going when it's just so hard. So we're actually going to talk about that in a part two of this series. I guess it's a series. Two part series. There's two. The mini series. There's a mini series. (laughs) So so this is like part one. It's just kind of like the practical side, the practical tips, the practical ideas. And in a couple more episodes, we're going to do part two. The psychological side. That's a big one. <laughs> to, having, to having a job. So we will be coming out with that. So don't think that we don't know how hard it is. It is hard. Emotionally and mentally. We'll get there. But Stay we're gonna, tuned. <laughs> we're going to devote a whole episode to it. Thank you so much for listening today as we talked about endometriosis and work. And Aren't we, they one and the same? <laughs> <laughs> having a job, but not endo like an actual oh a job like, outside of your job a that job is living where you with endo get okay. paid oh, to work really yeah. really really That's hard really different okay. all the time okay. yeah totally so the totally. paying job and endo okay got it yeah <laughs> and the funny thing is at work if you don't handle a project correctly or you like you don't do a job you get fired but with endo it's like <laughs> you don't handle it correctly it just comes back and bites you in the butt yeah, 10 times stronger like, you can never get fired and you can never fire endo it's a job you never get to leave <laughs> that's terrible but you can make it more survivable <laughs> that's what we're here for well thank you for listening we would love to know what your experiences are with work so how is working for you do you work what kind of job do you have have you had to talk to your supervisor and if so what did you say? And how did it go? Anyways, we would love to hear. So open communication. We are here. Please reach out to us if you have anything you want to say about the episode, about me and Brittany, about my kitty, about all the things <laughs> that are important. Go ahead and reach out to us. We're on In 16 Years of Endo. That's on Instagram. And we have the website in 16 yearscom All right. So we'll talk to you next time. Bye.